on Giddy Up. It's time for the Midweek Masterclass with the Mailbag Team. Gareth, all with you, this is the Midweek Masterclass. Thanks to Pulele, the 1,200-metre Group 1 weight for age sprint star standing at Darley. Bendigo's a good meeting. I spent a little bit of last night trying to work out a staking plan there. I went through a few races that I thought could be an opportunity to make some money. Um... And it's not, a, I enjoy racing at Bendigo. There's a horse in the last race that I think is a play. First up for Lindsay Smith. Lindsay Smith is better to back his horses, I think, as they get into a preparation. But I've got a lot of time for his mare going around in race number eight, Curralee Rocks. Um, I think the smaller field will suit her because she's a galloper, does get back in her races, but she's delivered some performances that have suggested that she could be a horse that's better than this class. Now, she does meet some nice mares there tomorrow, but I think she can settle midfield. And then if there's a little bit of tempo in the race or she can slide into that contest whenever she really wants. With that big straight at Bendigo, if they're running on, I think she's a terrific hope there. She's around 390 with bet 365. And we had a chat to Tim Wilson um, from First Light Racing. He sponsors, of course, the midweek – not the midweek, the weekend preview – and they've got a Vancouver mare called Vancouver Queen, who's first up. She's lightly raced. Um, she did enough last preparations to suggest that she's definitely up to this class. She's trained by Waterhouse and Botter on fire. Winona Costin has hit the ground running since she started to call Victoria home. Um, and she works closely with the Waterhouse and Bot Camp. And I think she'll be too strong. Like extra ma- magic that's been well supported she goes around at Horsham today, and I think she'll be mighty hard to beat there. So she won't take her place unless Paul Peruska backs her up in 24 hours. So I think she can be a play there, Vancouver Queen. Um, so we'll have $100, $150 on Vancouver Queen, and then $50 the win on Carolee Rocks there at Bendigo tomorrow. They're racing in South Australia on a Wednesday afternoon. Um, and the venue there, of course, is at Murray Bridge. And... This is Mitchie Lewis's second home in South Australia, and he joins us now. G'day, Mitchie. Yeah, g'day, Gareth. Yeah, second home. That's a good way about it, isn't it? Yes, and what about um, at Murray Bridge? Have you found one? And now, last week you indicated, I don't think it won, but a horse that was heavily supported. So it's the, the field, so the market's come out a little later on. So um, we've got to make sure that we keep on refreshing our Bet365 app so we can get on and get the early price. Yeah, that's right. I'm going to keep that flavour, I reckon, with these midweek masterclasses. So I've I've obviously done the form, and I don't know the odds. So some of my best bets change. Like if they open up one at a dollar sixty, it doesn't become a best bet. So what I might do with these midweek is Gareth is I'll I'll identify one or two that I think the market will come for early. So you need to get on early. That's what I reckon we'll play it. So I've got two of them today, and both of them come from the Richard and Chantel Jolly Camp. So race four, number seven. This is a debutant called Deep Float Diva. Pretty well bred. Now, it smashed them in a trial at Gawler. And so the Jollies have a really, really strong record. Well, horses on debut. And a lot of people know that here in South Australia. So this horse has drawn barrier three. It's got the impressive trial and it's in the price bloodstock colours. I reckon your best price is going to be when the market's open today. It's between 1.30 and 2 o'clock over there in Victoria. So Deep Float Diva is a play that you want to get on early, I'd suggest. Beautiful. So Deep Float Diva for Richard and Chantel Jolly. That's race four, number seven. A horse on the boo, as you just pointed out there. What else were you thinking there tomorrow? 
There's another one, race seven, two, Bella Leek for the same stable. Barrier three as well. She's a five-year-old mare that I think has good talent and had a few issues through her career, but they continue to persist with her. So that obviously indicates she's got good talent. But she did a little bit wrong at Balaclava, but she'll appreciate that run. So second up here, she is a horse that generally garners very strong. She was back from about $3 into $1.90 at Balaclava. So I suggest the market will come for her again, given she's drawn in barrier three. So we'll have about 100 early on each of those, and hopefully we get the early price, and then they can hold up for the best bets tomorrow as well. All right, race four, number seven, Deep Float Diva, and race seven, number two, Bella Lake. I know you love your Victorian racing as well. Have you had a look at Bendigo? Yeah, the first light horse um, that you mentioned, uh, let me just pull that back up, Gareth. The Vancouver man. Race five. Vancouver man. Vancouver queen. Yeah, I I thought it would get a very nice sort of run up there on speed with Winona in the saddle. And I just thought Aperol Blitz is probably the danger, but he's drawn barrier one. He might get a little bit caught a few pairs back on the rail. So I sort of thought Vancouver missed rock hard fit, hopefully push forward, take control of the race and hopefully run away from him. Yeah, the, the queen, Vancouver queen there. So race five, number three. And I didn't mind Carolee Rocks, as I mentioned there, which is race eight, number five. She's a get back type of mare. She's got a wonderful turn of foot. She's a former WA mare that's had a couple of starts down for Lindsay Smith. In Victoria, her, her effort to win that benchmark 64 at Geelong was superb under Rolly. And then she went to stand down behind Barbie's Fox and she wasn't beaten too far, but she got a long way back there in a big field. The smaller field will suit her, um, this daughter for Flying Artie. I think she'll get better as the preparation goes on, but she is a brilliant fresh horse. She's had three starts for three wins, but this is a different setup before. This is a much tougher class first up than she's ever competed against. So, um I think she's well above average, however, and um, I think there's a nice race in her. I think Bendigo will suit her as well. So she's around $4 with bet three six five in that race. But looking forward to Bendigo tomorrow, mate. And as always, you just yeah. keep on dominating. Thanks, mate. You too. And back on Bendigo, I thought race eight, that's going to be a ripper race. But I'll let you go, Gareth. It's, yeah, it's which race do you like? Which, yeah, you got, which race? Who do you like there? I'm, I've sort of tossed up. The market's come for Bel Air. I thought that was a really good move, but I'm really interested in Carolee Rocks. That first up form, first mm. time over here, it's, it's a race that I'd probably be more keen to watch. Um, but, yeah, I reckon Bel Air, Carolee Rocks, Miso, and even King's Consort, it might be, prove a pretty good form reference. Yeah, it's a, it's a good race for a Wednesday at Bendigo. There's no doubt about that. Good on you, Mitchie. Thanks for that, mate. Thank you, mate. Have a good day. We had racing at Flemington on Saturday, or Sunday, I should say which is a rare meeting for headquarters there with the Derby previews. But it's a good enough meeting on a Wednesday there at Rose Hill. So looking forward to that. Let's uh, catch up with Mark Roden to go through his thoughts at this meeting. It's a little bit weird doing a Wednesday meeting at Rose Hill. Mark, as I say, good morning to you. Yeah, good morning, Gareth. Yeah, they have this meeting um, every year, end of September, the week, last Wednesday in September. It's a bit of a precursor to the, the real big racing in October and has actually produced a few feature race winners uh, over the past few years. Is there some feature race winners racing there tomorrow? Uh, I don't know. There'll be some feature race contenders, put it that way. I don't know if we've got winners, but um, yeah, there's some promising horses for sure. All right, mate, take it away with your staking plan. All right. One of those promising horses appeared in race four, uh, 1800 metre race, benchmark 72. Um, actually got two wallet three-year-olds, seven and eight, Rip Rocket and Snowman. Um, down in the weights here, uh, the, certainly the horses in the race who look to have potential to go on to better class than this. 
And I'm leaning to the seven, Rip Rocket. Um, he narrowly beat Snowman at Kembla last start, but he was first up that day and Snowman was third up. Um, I believe he's got uh, probably a little bit more upside than his stable mate. Uh, and I'm leaning to him. He's drawn inside Snowman too. I think um, getting close to the rails in run tomorrow is going to be very important. And Rip Rocket should be able to do that from barrier four. He's in the market for the spring champion, I see. So they'd be wanting him to win or at least run very well here uh, before taking off uh, in that direction and maybe bigger races even after that. So, uh, yeah, first one for the data is race four, number seven, Rip Rocket. And then what else have you got, and mate? In the next race, race five, um, 1,400-metre, benchmark 72, uh, number seven, Carazana. Jay McDonald back tomorrow after his injury layoff. Uh, look, this was a very impressive winner at Kenzo last start. Uh, I suppose the knock on him, uh, if there is one, is that he did get to the best part of the track that day and take full advantage of it. But the fact is, he's going to be able to do that tomorrow. If I'm right about the pattern he's drawn to with J-Mac on, he'll be scraping the paint in run, and that's the place to be. Uh, promising horse. Um, look, I've, I've got him closer to even money, and you can get around uh, 260-ish, I think. Uh, I think he's uh, definitely a bet at that price. I thought Iron Man might be the little danger uh, if you wanted to save number five at around uh, at around ten dollars. Uh, just seemed to run out of fitness in the midway first up and uh, drawn three as well, so should be getting a good run. But uh, I thought Carazana was a bit of a standout. So with your staking plan, Riff Rockets at four twenty, bet three six five, Carazana two sixty. How would you how would you play that? Yeah, I'm. A bit in line with those markets in that I'm a bit more confident about Carazana than Rip Rocket. So maybe 125 on Carazana at 260 and 75 on Rip Rocket at 420. Beautiful. Hopefully it's a fill-up, mate. 72, 75 at 420, 125 at $2.60. Appreciate your time, mate. No worries, Gareth. Thank you. Just quickly, a few questions coming through. Do you have an opinion about the Premier Stakes this weekend? Think about it taking on few of those horses trying to put their hand up for an Everest slot, like a Remark and a Lost and Running and a Mazu who's already got a slot, but he wouldn't want to put too much of a hoof wrong because um, Arrowfield do have Remark there as well. I would imagine that um, John Massara wouldn't, I don't think he would hesitate to try and pull the trigger and, and replace those horses if he thinks that Remark's a better chance than Mazu. Yeah, um, I, oh, look, I haven't looked at that race in depth yet. I'm, I'm sort of hanging on the Epsom and Metrop final field as well. But, yeah, um, it, yeah it's, it, the Everest picture's a bit, getting a bit interesting, isn't it? With, especially with the absence of Giga Kick. I, look, just off the top of my head, I would expect, I'm, I'm just concerned. I don't think Mazu's going that well. And I'm yet to be convinced Remark is absolute top level. So I think, think about it, it would be a good chance in that race, yep. depending on the barriers, et cetera. But yeah, I haven't given it proper thought yet. He's been heavily supported, think about it. A few text messages coming through. It's ridiculous, all this Everest chat, no mention of think about it. But I think people will be thinking about him after he delivers a performance. I think first up in a Premier Stakes and Joe Pride and Prime yeah. Thoroughbreds are, are perfectly situated at the moment, mate. Thanks for your time as always, Mark. No worries, Gareth. He's a good man, Mark Roden. And so is this man, Chris Nelson, who's been on fire for us. Um, and racing action continues every day across the Sunshine State. And the Midweek Masterclass will be concentrating on the meeting in Queensland on a Wednesday afternoon. And, of course, just having a look at the track conditions, we are racing um, at Ipswich on a Wednesday. Yapoon today. Chris Nelson, hello to you. Good morning, Gareth. Uh, interesting chat there, really, Everest. I, I think, think about it, uh, yeah, things are starting to open up there, definitely. Yeah, I'll... so I mentioned just before 
I was just going through the slots at the moment for the Everest. And this is why the race is such a success because I can talk about the Everest all day if I wanted to. Mm. Like you've got in secret who'll be ridden by Zach Purton. As I mentioned, Godolphin will officially announce that today. Why didn't they go with the three-year-old cylinder? I think they want to go to the Everest with cylinder. Have they got something up their sleeve that they're doing a deal with a Yulong yeah. or are they doing a deal with Chris Waller Racing or are they having a, a, a chat to James Harron? What's James Harron doing? His brother-in-law is Henry Field. He's bought into <laughs> osmosis. Are they doing the something? Puzzle. Yeah. The um, puzzle. <laughs> is alcohol free? She goes around in the Premier. If she yeah. performs well, I think they have to go with her, don't they? They purchased her for $11 million. Or if she fails, what does Mr. Zhang do do then? Does he call up David Ellis and give him a deal that it's too good to refuse? Or they do a they do a deal to see her purchased by Mr. Zhang after her racing career, something like that. That what makes this race so intriguing. So um few people text him. What about a froth fire Gareth goes well on Friday yeah. night in the Moyer? Like I think Robbie Heathcote's he's indicated that he he, he doesn't want to take him to Sydney because it, he doesn't think he can win to be honest. So um, well, there's a better chance in a Manicato. But yeah, it's it's an interesting puzzle with the, with the Everest. I, I find it fascinating. Yeah, and especially with Giga Kick, with Giga Kick falling by the wayside on the weekend and some of these uh, subpar performances on the weekend, though, the Shinzos and that, which I thought, obviously their excuses there with Shinzo and didn't really turn up. Where does he go? His price has gone out the gate. Gee, Imperatrice. I mean, everyone's got their price. I'd love to see her in that race. Love it. Yeah, Shinzo, two out of five lame. I haven't heard much from yeah. the camp. I, um, no. They said he pulled up sore. So, um, yeah, I, I, just reading between the lines, I think he might be doubtful for an Everest. But that's, I would say so. Yeah, that's not confirmed. But what does Coolmore do now? Um, usually they go for horses. If they can't use one of their own, they go for horses that are side by one of their stallions. So you can work that out yourself. Um, <laughs> it, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. And, Talking about the jockey merry-go-rounds, like everyone's felt for Craig Williams, and I mentioned it at the top of the, the show with an editorial today, that you feel for Craig, but I thought he handled it nicely regarding, and, and as we expect, Craig would handle it regarding the kicky kick situation. But like all champions do, he was able to bounce back pretty quickly. But I think Craig was a professional. He understands that's what the jockey game's all about. It's a cutthroat industry. It's a dog-eat-dog and he's oh, replaced he James Orman reading the, the articles <laughs> I now. I that. Yeah, from Ben Dorries on Yellow Brick after James Orman had one ride on him and connections weren't happy. So Ben Thompson, James Orman, and now Craig Williams for the Silver Eagle. So I've never seen so many so many jockey changes in the last two, two and a half, three weeks than I've seen in that time. It's yep. just been amazing. And uh, a lot of the times, I don't think we can really blame the jockeys for what's happened. What did you make of his ride then on Saturday? It was fine. I mean, we, everyone was complaining about the horse not going forward during the winter. And so the horse goes forward in the Wheatwood. It didn't go overly hard. If you look at the sectionals in the race, it didn't break the land speed record by any means and was run down late. So maybe he's not just, maybe he's not as, wrong. maybe he's not as good as everyone thought he is. Or is that a bit? That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Um, that's, that's what I'm thinking. I mean, he's going to have to improve a hell of a lot to be, uh, to be matching it with horses in golden eagles and, and silver eagles. Yeah. That's for sure. So, yeah, maybe he's not. No. And you feel for Jimmy Orman, who you've mentioned this a few times. He's the best jockey. I think you've mentioned this. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but in Queensland, the year that he's had, 
and he gets yeah. like Chris Waller's got a lot of time for him and Tony Gold, and so he's he gets the opportunities with the bigger stables, but you you earn those opportunities. But unfortunately for James, and I think he's been quoted in saying this as well, that he wants to make a statement and some noise down south in Sydney and Melbourne yep. during the carnivals. But he's had one ride, unfortunately, on, on Yellow Brick and has been given the, the heave-ho. And then I would imagine he would want his time back again with Antino. Um, but they gave him one ride and then Blake Shin came knocking and connections, understandably, have gone for Blake Shin. He's probably, at least definitely the best jockey along with Damien Lane at the moment in Victoria. So um, you need opportunities to prove yourself, but it just proves that, geez, you, if, you, if you're riding for your um, life in a way on these type of horses that you can't muck up because the other jockeys will, will, will pounce. They'll, they'll ring in the connections and try and get you off. And you look at you look at Jimmy's ride on Antino at Flemington. I mean, I don't think he really mucked up there at all. I mean, there was a run for probably three strides, and the horse didn't really want to take it. So you know, what what was Jimmy to do? Maybe he should have led. Who knows? Who knows what would have happened? But geez, everyone's an expert sitting on the couch. I mean, everyone's got their maps and everything now, and everything should be ridden a certain way. But once those horses leave the gates, anything can go pear shaped, and anything can change. So. I think they're under more scrutiny than they've ever been. And I think uh, some of them are just copying a bad deal, to be honest. Just breaking the news now that James Harron from Harron Bloodstock has decided to go with the Cadolphin Colt Cylinder in uh -huh. this year's Everest. So Cadolphin have confirmed now they've got two horses in the Everest Cylinder, a three-year-old, and in secret, the man. So Zach Purton to ride in secret Cylinder, I don't know if they're confirmed to hoop just yet. I would imagine Zach Lloyd would be the leading contender with a three-year-old weight. So story just breaking then. James Harron and both Cadolphin now confirming that they have combined there with Cylinder. So that leaves overpass without a slot now, which it makes it interesting. Does Chris Waller go down that path? Anyway, what are we doing tomorrow, mate, at Ipswich? <laughs> I thought overpass had a slot last week. So now it's gone. No, Overpass, sorry. Osmosis. 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 Yeah. yeah Overpass osmosis. definitely yeah. has a slot. Yeah, I did that. All right. I, and um, Ollie's just reminding me, Gareth, for Derby racing, you've done that twice now. So Overpass and Osmosis trained under, or trained by the same trainer in the same colours for Derby racing, um, but they're different horses. So there Ipswich. you go. Ipswich. Ipswich. Uh, Ipswich, race two, number one, Rising Pacific. Speaking of Jimmy uh, Orman, uh, this was the best thing beaten you'd ever see last start. And if you don't believe me, go back and have a look at the replay. Doombin on the 13th of September. He was buried back on the fence. No fault of Jimmy's. He tried to get off the fence before the turn. Copped the check. Ended up spat out the back. He was last into the straight. Flew home. Was beaten less than 0.4 of a length. Should have won easily. Uh, the biggest problem would probably be trying to get a price, Gareth, but we'll wait and see what comes up. So race two, number one, Rising Pacific. And race seven, only seven races tomorrow. Number two, Hang Five. Now, he hasn't been a punter's favourite, Hang Five, but this looks a lovely race for him. I like the fact he's drawn a gate. Uh, his last start run at Eagle Farm was good. He, he drew uh, nine of 13. He was out the back and copped a bit of a... Uh, well, he didn't get a lot of room, should I say, at the top of the straight, then had to wait. Came across heels, ran on very strongly, was beaten just over a length. I can see him a lot closer in the run tomorrow. And from there, he should be winning. Race seven, number two, hang five. So we'll go with those two for the moment, see what prices come up in the morning. We may uh, add a few in. All right, mate. Thanks for that. Appreciate it. Um, Thanks, Gareth.
There we go. Great to catch up with Chris Nelson. Ollie's just seeing if we can get in contact with James Harron, of course. James uh, has been, well, his phone's been running hot, James, because everybody, after Giga came out there on Saturday, um, 